method of business would persist until the formation of the National Wrestling Alliance in 1948. NWA as a central governing body, with its singular, undisputed world champion, would be absolute, and undeniable. This control, combined with the expansion of the interstate highway system, and the inevitable popularity and availability of regional television, would usher in an era of wrestling that was defined by what would come to be known as the territory system. The territory system would dominate wrestling for nearly four decades while the borders, authority, popularity, and obedience of individual NWA territories was in a near constant state of flux, to this day the impact and influence of these territories is still felt. Each territory had its own signature promoter and star. While it is impossible to cram these characteristics into a static, concrete map, we are damn sure going to try anyway. So open up your eyes. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Pro Wrestling with your host, Mike Monty, along with Jimmy Farrow, who still remains in Florida. But the good news is, Jimmy has joined the cast of the new format of This Week in Wrestling. Guys, we're trying this new approach um, where we'll have four new hosts. Mr. Phil DeCessere. Phil? Thank you for having me on him. Totally thrilled. A little nervous, but otherwise very psyched. I'm very excited, too. The player, Benny Scala. Benny. The player is here from Newport, Ritchie, Florida, home of the Scullet. I'm here to win the gold. That's it, baby. <laughs> the great Bruce, ESO Creative. ESO. What's going on, guys? Hey, Bruce. And finally, the star of the show, Mr. Jimmy <laughs> Farrell, making his return. Yeah. The star, the star of the show. The star of the show. I'm still, still in Florida. I just got here. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm still in Florida. Hi, the star of the show. I've been gone for a week. You turned it into a game show. I sent you a fucking hip toss in the mail. Did you get it yet? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> oh my. Oh my God. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, everybody. We're all excited hey, for this new format. Let me explain it to the fans out there, along with our cast. The Fab Four. The rules are simple. Monty will give out the topics of the week in pro wrestling. Each cast member has 90 seconds to give their side of the subject. Each cast member will receive points for the most informative and the most entertaining take <laughs> on the present <laughs> subject. These points will be awarded by Monty. That's right. Monty, uh, he's the judge, uh, the jury, and the executioner. Uh, yeah, did you get the mask in the mail that I sent at least? Executioner? Also, hey. fans get to weigh in with points. Just comment in the uh, section. Those points will be totaled at the end of the first, second, third, fourth, fifth round. After the subjects are covered, the two cast members with the most points will continue to hey. the final round. The other two cast Ugh. members will be relegated to what we call the land of the misfit toys. The winner of the final round will be crowned the This Week in Pro Wrestling Championship and defend it weekly. Please uh -oh. support your favorite cast member and assist <laughs> them in becoming the new 
This week in wrestling, World Heavyweight Champion of the World. Are now, you ready? Oh, I guess we're ready. I guess so. We're ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Man, I'm ready. Nerves. Let's get going. Phil's nervous. Phil, how are you doing? All right. Watching around the world, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Hey, I, I'm, I'm busy. Now, wait a minute, Joe. What if here? I just wanted to defend in my territory and I don't feel like traveling the world? Then you'll be stripped of ah, your title, Farrell. Never mind. Play the game. Subject play the number game, one. Subject number one. Popular yeah. AEW fan account quits after receiving serious threats. AEW fans are quick to defend the company at every turn. They're also known to see social media as a battlefield at times. Now we have another instance of pro wrestling fans taking things too far. Some fans of free speech really didn't appreciate the fact that AEW Botch's account was targeted, and they spoke out about the protest. A short time later, another account pop-up ran the same person as AEW Botch's, but they didn't stick around. The AEW Botch account manager said he was receiving threats and photographs to his home address of his family. Subject line, stop criticizing AEW. And he says, I quit. And opening up this first round is the player, Benny Scala. Oh, Benny, the pressure, baby. The pressure. Tell me when I start. You're on. All right. Okay, so I'm going to go old school here because I'm old, and that's all I really know. And here's what I don't get with, with this whole thing with AEW and WWE. So you know, I'm going to go back to 1968 when I first started watching wrestling on TV from the uh, Capitol Arena, uh, the National Arena in Washington, D.C., it was the only wrestling I knew. Uh, maybe about uh, five, six years later, messing around with my 12-inch Hitachi uh, 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 TV set and Channel 41 from Patterson, New Jersey. All of a sudden, I see NWA Hollywood wrestling from the Olympics, and now I'm seeing uh, uh, Fred Blassie, Victor Rivera, Black Gordon, Goliath. A couple of years after that, I get uh, championship wrestling from uh, Florida and Georgia. My thing is, there's never too much wrestling. Why Why do you have – it seems like now people have to align themselves in camp. Like you're either Team WWE or Team AEW. And I, I don't get that. Why can't you – why can't you like both? Or, you know, why do you have to just like one? I, I, I don't – I don't – like Jimmy would say, can't we all just get along? Maybe Jimmy that wasn't the one that said that, but um, – so I, I, I don't say that, and I'm not an I'm not an AEW fan anyway. And as far as company, that's all I got to say about that. So got 21 seconds there, Bruce. Ding, ding. Uh, Bruce Phil, yeah, he's uh, supposed to use the whole up. time. I'm, Keep flattering, go, Betty, go. I'm a, I'm showing zero here. I'd say zero too. Zero zero. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, Mike, you're looking at right. you're looking at you the know YouTube what? I feed. I got to be able to see TV better. I'm sorry, I'm delayed. I apologize, guys. Next up. Did I get a point for my shirt at least? Jeez. You finished up with six points. Nice job, Benny. That, Good job. All right. Farrow. about. Number two, Jimmy Farrow. <laughs> Say go. Go. All right. Well, first of all, this is just, as Mike always says, a microcosm of society in general. What the hell's going on when you can't even give your opinion about professional wrestling sports entertainment? Who the hell cares what anybody else has to say? If you're interested, read it. If you're not interested, let it go. Makes no sense to me whatsoever, okay, as far as that goes. The the never-ending, never-ending Debates with people getting batshit over wrestling has become quite comical. Why are you sending death threats to somebody's house and stuff like that? Now, unfortunately, with pro wrestling, it's become just like anything else. But we're at the point now where it's become Jets Giants. you got to pick a side. And we've never been more divided than ever. So how can you be surprised when society does things like this? We are completely side pickers nowadays. You know, and in the old days, wrestling was a different thing than it is today, because wrestling now we know when someone farts in a locker room out in Sarasota. Did I just use the Florida <laughs> reference anyway? Well, I'm I just saying though, 
This has become not just a problem in professional wrestling. This has become a problem with almost anything and everything we do in life. And it's just absolutely hilarious. And Mike, Mike, thank God bless, bless your heart, Mike, for always being on social media and dealing with it and stuff like that. Because quite honestly, I feel, I feel like I get That's dumber it, every Jimmy. second I spend That's on a it, computer. Jimmy. Nice job. Well done. All right. Thank Next you. Next up. Thank you. Thank you. Bruce from ESO, you're on the <laughs> clock. All right. Well, first off, why, why do you, in the old days, if you, anytime you advertised anybody's business, it was a good thing, whether it was good or bad. And AEW's really take, has taken offense to this AE, the AEW botches website and has gone after them several times. When we're go, but when we're going after someone's livelihood, that, that's, that's an, another realm. This is kayfabe. That should never, should never, ever happen. AEW botches. It, it was a great. It was a great website. It was fun to watch. Listen, let's face it. AEW has a lot of botches. When we do that high risk, crazy shit, that's what happens. It's their own fault. Who? A fan took the time to edit this and put it together. AEW should be thanking them for this. This was free publicity for them. No, instead, what did they do? They they went out of their way to shut the guy down and. I, I I just can't believe we're we're in a time right now where where stuff like this happens. You know, media is so powerful and such a small guy too. Come on, um, AEW, shame on you! Whoever's sending the death threats to the guy who was running the website, shame on them. That's crazy. We're this day and age. No, I I can't believe we're there. Um, Tony Khan, shame on you going after this small guy. You've got billions of dollars behind you. Put on the better product. Don't blame him. It's not his fault. There's the botches. So, um, what do we got? We have five seconds left. Hi, mom. You gotta go till my says. We might have to go. We, go, might go, 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 go. we might have to take a point out there as we're counting on the clock. <laughs> Finishing up the AEW botch. The great Phil DeCessare. But Phil, you're on, brother. You're on the clock. All right. Well, you know, I think my first time ever I get on the program and spoke to you guys, I, I, I talked about, I think, the greatest threat that's looming out there now, and that's censorship. You guys know firsthand that if you say what's perceived as the wrong thing or you go against the narrative, all of a sudden the man comes down on you and... Uh, you know, it's creating a, a situation now where we're all walking on eggshells, just being, you know, so careful in what we say and what we do and what we produce, you know. Um, yeah, there is room for these two these two organizations. And I can't imagine WWE doing anything like this either, you know. It's um, it's overstepping the boundaries. It's... Um, it's it's a bridge too far, you know. I know I know the bigger issue really here is, and I think it is about the the style maybe that we're seeing on the programming. It's it's obviously it's very high risk, very fast paced, and I have to wonder if this fan didn't put this up just kind of as a way to send it some signals to express some concern that uh, you know what we're dealing with here is just a, a super high risk style. We've never seen this type of uh, aerial assaults before. I mean, it's it's really. Uh, I enjoy the product. I mean, I enjoy the risk. I certainly have my critiques with it, but it's um, it's worthy of discussion. It's a point worthy of discussion, you know. And again, this is coming from a fan of their product as well. Um, but I, I mean, I think they, there's an old saying that says that you know who your rulers are by who you can't criticize. And you know, this whole internet thing is kind of like the wild nice west. Nice job, Phil. Oh. Unbelievable. All right. Uh -oh. All right, guys. Bravo, Phil. Bravo. Phil, uh -oh, baby. We're in trouble. What did you guys <laughs> think of that first round? Was it nerve-wracking or what? You're getting over the jitters? It was. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Nerve-wracking? <laughs> what? Subject two. What? Are you ready for subject two? Bring it on. Hit it. Jade Cargill on leaving AEW for the WWE. It wasn't easy, but it was easy. WWE <laughs> media blitz from Jay Cargill yesterday included sending newly signed star to chat with David Shoemaker. The standout quotes from the interview were as follows. Cargill is respectful of her time of AEW, but talks about the last three years as a means to an end. 
Asked how she feels to be called the WWE superstar, Jade replied, it feels great. I feel like I just in preparation for the grand stage. I felt like this is always the mission. I felt like you know the shoe fits. I felt this is going to happen. Honestly, this is expected. I'm so excited to be here. More than just preparation for the grand stage, the WWE Jade viewed her time in AEW as a career strategy. While talking about a 2019 WWE trout not signing with the company, she said, One thing, I'm a businesswoman. I think I made the best route at the time. The WWE is a great company. The 31-year-old Cargill wouldn't say she'd hit the ceiling in AEW, but she did say didn't, uh, it didn't give her the path she needed in Tony's company. Jade Cargville, gentlemen, opening up, Phil DeCesare. Phil. Wow. First of all, what a stunning athlete she is. Boy, you talk about the look, just the talent, um, even the mic skills and the believability. She's tremendous. She really is. And, you know, in the old days, we had territories, and people would go to a territory for, I mean, as few as three months or stay a year, depending upon how quickly they cycle you through, whether you're a heel or your face. Now with these two major companies and all this TV exposure, uh, it, it's totally necessary now to, uh, you know, to pack up after a while and, and seek broader horizons. I know she's really close with Cody Rhodes, and I think he was a, a big part in, in uh, making the switch. And, you know, with all these recent cuts, I have to wonder if, you know, their budget hasn't opened up a little more to kind of reach out and uh, snag the people they really view as talent, you know. Um, she's done so much there, and it's, and again, 31. We don't know how many more years she has in the business. I mean, I think she has a child, may want to have a few more. So I think she wants to get up while the, while the iron is hot and uh, seek some uh, greener pastures, work with a, a new talent pool too. And I think certainly with the shakeup and management up there, it, it might open up some opportunities for her too that might not have otherwise been there. Um, I know she's grateful for her time in AEW, and um, I, I definitely am looking forward to seeing her um, in this new venue, and, and particularly Rhea Ripley, obviously, is a, a natural um, opponent for her, and uh, and certainly we've got some uh, bigger women, too, in WWE, which could actually pose more of a physical threat to her, so I think it's I think it's just a great move. I think I'm, I'm glad we're going to be seeing more That's of her. That's it, Phil. That's it. All Good right. job, Phil. Well done, buddy. Thanks, guys. Number two, Bruce from ESO. Bruce, you are on the clock. Jade Cargill. What a great pickup by the WWE. If you had to pick one person from AEW, that would probably be the person to get. She she is one of the top talents, women talents out there. Um, and let's let's face it, she's had a great reputation there. Everybody is praising her on their way out, out, out of there. She praised her time there. And Tony Khan was praising her in her exit, uh, in, an, in an interview the other day, talking about the, the door is always open for, for her to come back. Can't wait to see her get over into the WWE. I guess this week she was over at the Performance Center already. Um, they, they didn't release any footage or anything of that, but uh, can't wait can't wait to see her work with with these women in the WWE. Let, let's face it, her and Bianca Belair. Could you imagine that feud? That feud is gonna be fun. Yeah. Her and Rhea Ripley. Oh my gosh, those two are gonna they're gonna tear it down. Um, I, I could just picture this this women's division in WWE is growing. It's a, it's at a point that women women's wrestling is at a peak that it's never we've never seen before. I can't believe. We, we've gotten to this point. If you look, if you told me 20 years ago that we would have you know, several women's champions and women's tag team champions and several wrestling organizations with established women's wrestling, yeah, you know, that that's absolutely insane. And let's let's face it, Jade Cargill, she's gonna she's gonna compliment these women that are are there now to to an unbelievable statue. That's it, Bruce. Um, Good job, buddy. Well done, right, Jade Cargill. Number three, it's the star of the show, Jimmy Farrow, talking about Jade Cargill. You're on the clock, Jimmy. Did we lose him? Uh-oh, Jimmy's in trouble. He's going to lose points. Where did he go? Where did he go? Oh, man, Jimmy's up against it now. Are we going to run the clock on Jimmy with no connection? Oh, no. Poor That's Jimmy. That's terrible. All right, we're going to move no to outs, Mr. Right? Benny Scala. Can we move it down to Benny? Yes. 
One second. Benny. Let me know. Go, Benny. So uh, Phil made a, an excellent point uh, going back old school again with the territories. Uh, one of the great things about the territories is you always stayed fresh. Uh, you wrestled in Mid-South. You stayed there for maybe six to nine months. I remember Vince McMahon Sr., was, that was his claim to fame. He would bring in you know, the heel of the month or the heel of the, you know, the quarter and give them this tremendous buildup. As an example, he brought in Bob Orton Sr., came in as Rocky Fitzpatrick. The guy was unbeatable. Uh, and it always led to you know, one, two, or three matches with Bruno at the Garden, all sellouts. So it, now, as Phil said, you can't do that anymore because there are no more territories. Everything's on TV. But um, I think this is a huge, uh, a huge upgrade for Jake Cargill. I think I, I listened to what she said. I'm very impressed by her, um, her savvy, her business sense. I think, and to use a baseball analogy, I think she is going from the Scranton Wilkes-Barre, whatever their name is, to the New York Yankees. I mean, Will Riders, she had to spend that time in the minor leagues to, uh, to get seasoned. But she's in the right place in the right time. It just, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of women's wrestling, but I got to tell you, um, the the matchups, the potential of, of you know her against an Oscar, a Rhea Ripley, you know any of these great women wrestlers, yeah, it's just mind boggling that the possibilities they have. And that's it, Benny. Good job. Farrow's back on. Jimmy, Jade Cargill. On Guys, you're breaking up. I can't hear you. Jade Cargill, Jimmy. Well, I don't know if you guys can hear me, but I'll give it a shot. We can hear you. Jade Cargill. Okay, yep. let's try. Jade Cargill. All right, what's getting lost in all of this is, is congratulations, AEW. You are officially TNA during the Spike television time period. What I mean by that is, is, is that this is the first of what we're going to see a lot more of happening. See, if WWE had grabbed all of AEW's people when they first started, they would have been giving validity to them. Instead, they were smart enough to wait this thing out for a little while. What we're getting is, is somebody in their prime from AEW. She's in the prime of her career. She's 31 years old. She was basically the Goldberg of the women's division over in AEW. So they are absolutely taking one of their top talents but they're not doing it in a way that really puts AEW over in any kind of way. That's timing, because Vince McMahon, Triple H, and the rest of the folks at WWE are geniuses. Timing is everything. So by making this move, they have basically done it at the right time. Cargill gets to walk right into a roster that she's just tailor-made to work with, work for, put over, and get over. It's an absolute fantastic, fantastic signing. There is no way that the other folks in AEW, the ones that are coming up, are not going to be seeing this. You've had Cody come over. That's it, Jimmy. Now you have Good one job, of their own Jimmy. time coming over. And Jimmy. <laughs> All right. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Here we go. Subject number three. Are we ready? Hulk Hogan's daughter breaks silence on not attending wedding. Over the weekend, the veteran wrestler tied the knot for the third time. Um, Brooke Hogan was nowhere to be found. However, amid the numerous speculations as why she wasn't there, the television personality is clearing the air about what truly happened. Hulk Hogan's daughter chose to create some distance with the family. Brooke took to Instagram to give an explanation. As many of you know, I value my privacy. Unfortunately, a lot of the media outlets are making assumptions as why I did not attend my father's third wedding. She began, instead of leaving it to speculation, I decided it's better to shut it all down here, the 35-year-old continued. As we all experience this with all our families, the dynamics of the family unit continuously change over the years. With that being said, my family has experienced a lot of change. I wish him well. Opening up, Jimmy Farrow, Brooke Hogan. Nope. Brooke Hogan. Okay, well, at least I heard the Brooke Hogan part because I actually know what's going on with this. Uh, as far as Brooke Hogan goes, it sounds like, and I really hate that we even get to hear about this crap because I don't even feel like I care or it's any of my business. But apparently, 
Hulk Hogan and Brooker, not so close. It's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, being a regular guy, just a regular old person with a regular old job and a regular old life, it's really hard to uh, for me to sit here and try to figure out what exactly Brooke Hogan is so upset about. There's been a lot of change. Yeah, there's been a lot of change. Your father's Hulk Hogan. What do you think? He's going to be boring? going to be boring? He's Hulk Hogan. How many changes has he had in his life? How many things has he done to get over, to make sure that he stays over, to make sure the bank account is good so he can take care of a no-talent, spoiled, lousy voice singing daughter like you, sister? <laughs> I Seriously, what is your problem? He got married. Go to the wedding. Oh, my God. You got to think it through, right? I, well, you know, it's really hard having Hulk Hogan as my dad. I can't tell what to do. Maybe I'll have a filet tonight, or maybe I should get some broiled fish. I'm really not sure. I could get my nails done. Oh, shut up. Really? <laughs> Go to your father's wedding. What the hell's wrong with you? I Like I got any more after that? Ding, ding. <laughs> you get a point just for that. <laughs> Next yeah. up, the player, Benny Scala. Benny. Hogan, Benny. How do I follow that? Jeez. But <laughs> I'll, I'll try. So I actually, I, I think what Brooke was trying to say in so many words is my family is fucked up. And she, she said it quite <laughs> eloquently. Uh, you know, if you look at that family, the, the son, Nick, is a train wreck. <laughs> The, the, the ex-wife, Linda, dates high school sophomores. And Hulk <laughs> marries women that look like his fucking daughter. So, no, exactly. so Hulk. Not, not every, you don't have to, there are other women in this world that don't have blonde hair that don't look like Linda. Uh, now, with all that there being are? said, though. <laughs> really? With all that being said, uh, I mean, the, like, like Jimmy said, I mean, who, where would Brooke Hogan be? If she was Brooke McGillicuddy, not the daughter of Hulk Hogan, she'd be singing in a freaking bowling alley somewhere, like dancing at a booby bar. So, how about a little bit of gratitude for your father? I mean, what? Yeah. You know, just think about think about the ride you've had for the last thirty-five years. Think about how privileged you've been. It's like the movie Trading Places at the end uh, when he says, "Should we have lobster or crack crab? Why don't we have both?" She had both every damn day of her life. So for God's sakes, you know, I mean, I get it. Your family's messed up. But, I mean, whose family is not messed up? Come on. Give you, Hulk needs to be happy like everybody else. Brother. Yeah. Nice yeah. job, Benny. What a rebound. Oh, Holy man. cow. All right. Next up, Bruce from ESO. Brooke Hogan. Brooke who? Brooke. <laughs> 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 no, seriously, she, she, she's still around? I mean, <laughs> does she really have a career still? Uh, let's face it. Hulk, no. There would be no Brooke Hogan if it weren't for Hulk Hogan. It's a, it's, it's a Brooke Bollea. She's got no real talent. How many, how many careers has Hulk Hogan helped this girl get into? Let's see. She was a singer. Then she was on ah! Hogan Knows Best. Then she gets her own Ugh. show that sucked. Uh, Brooke, Brooke knows best. And then, uh, let's see, she was brought into AEW and they tried to make her a valet and they tried to, to make her into a wrestler and she released albums along the way. And guess what? She still means nothing. Last I heard, she was on the touring the wrestling circuit doing autographs. Come on. And then you, you're going to disrespect your father? You know what this is? You're looking for attention because you're irrelevant at this point. That's the only reason you're, you're saying this stuff. Come on. I can't even believe they're giving her a platform. And well, maybe it's because maybe Brooke's upset because she's not the hotter blonde in the Hogan family at this point. I don't know. Is the is the new girl younger than her? I don't. I, I don't know. It's it's got to be something. Or maybe it's because Hogan's not dating one of her friends again. Oh, wasn't that happening a couple of those times? Man, that that Hogan family—they're just a train wreck in general. Come on, man. <laughs> That's it. Bruce, you want you want to roll, brother. You want to roll. That's man, Stefan, some big man. bounce backs. Phil, you're the in the wife spot is 40. Right I think now. the new wife is 45. <laughs> Phil, you're on the clock. You're on. All right. Well, you know, as Gorilla Monsoon used to say, conspicuous by his absence, I think um, 
in the quest for attention, I mean, when you think about it, I think Brooke could get more attention from not attending the wedding than from actually attending. So I think this might be a little bit of a, you know, of an attention-seeking kind of grab, too, you know. I, I guess it was a quiet ceremony on the island, just a few people present, Nick and, and a few others, and the bride's children, too, and uh, that's all well and good. Can't compare to Hogan's first wedding now in Japan where uh, Andre was there and Anoki was there, and it was just a big to-do and a big celebration, and... Sadly, those guys aren't with us anymore. But yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think she's uh, looking to be relevant, and um, I think this is her way of expressing it. And I agree. And I'll tell you, Playa, you stole my thunder about this odd lookalike situation, this this uh, the Shakespearean dynamic, this Oedipal Electra complex thing going on there, where you know this. Um, um, you know, Valley of the Dolls, the Stepford wife thing, and they're all looking alike and everything, and. Um, uh, I, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm not surprised. We know so much about this guy and his life anyway. To me, he's still a hero. He's still a national treasure. And, you know, we build up our heroes and we tear them down. And then we just we just delve deep into the coffin, interviewing worms after they die. It's just, it's too much, man. You know, let them have some peace and some quiet. And let's not Great cast job, the attention. Great job, Phil. Great job. Unreal, guys. We got a tight battle going on here. Oh, yeah. Not bad. Not bad. How you guys hanging in there? How's the pressure holding up? It's good. <laughs> I'm getting ready for the island. It's, it's tense. <laughs> it's tense, he says. Subject number four. Undertaker calls AEW second rate. During his recent one-man dead show in Glasgow, the Hall of Famer was asked which current wrestler would he like to face in the ring. This led to the dead man naming MJF. He would later add that AEW is a second-rate company and the MJF needs to leave ASAP. Opening up this round, the Pharaoh, Undertaker, MJF. You're on the clock, Jimmy. Undertaker, MJF. I missed the whole thing, Mike. You're going to have to run it by me again. Breaking up. All right, Undertaker says AEW second rate, and MJF needs to get out of there. Fuck. All right, we're going to move on. Can't hear you, brother. We're going to move try on. To get back in. Opening up will be ESO. You're on the clock ESO. shortly now. All right. Well... I hate to say it, I, I agree with The Undertaker. It's definitely this, sec well, I don't hate to agree with him. He's absolutely right. It is a second-rate company. It is not on the same tier as WWE on any, on any level. However, MJF is really the foundation behind that, that show at this, behind that company at this point. There's really nobody left without CM Punk. Um, if MJF happened to leave AEW, They'd be in some serious, serious trouble. They don't really have many superstars. Let's face it, Chris Jericho's days are numbered. Uh, Punk's gone. Um, who, who else are they going to? Who are they going to promote at this point? MJF is the he is that company at this point. Tony Khan might as well you know just open the coffers, give him whatever it takes to keep him there. You know. Now, as far as Undertaker against MJF, that would be a really, really cool. Uh, <laughs> that would be a cool match. Undertaker, Undertaker has great matches with everybody, but could you imagine that lead up into it? MJF on the mic? He's he's really one of the top guys on the mic at this point, and I'd I really would love it to to see MJF and and Undertaker go at it. So let's see. Going back to the the original point though, with the uh, with Undertaker bashing AEW, who. Who could even say AEW is on that same scale as WWE? When will it ever be on the same scale? It won't be. It, especially now that they have the Endeavor, the Endeavor group behind it. That is a juggernaut that is going to go to the sky's the limit. That's it, Bruce. Uh, Good job, buddy. Good job. Farrow, how's your connection? Give me what you can. Re rewind. Tell me what we're talking about fast. Undertaker, <laughs> AEW second rate. MJF needs to leave ASAP. You're on the clock now. MJF needs to leave AEW for WWE, according to Undertaker. Do I have that right? That's correct. All right. Well, Undertaker's smart, but there's only one problem, though. Like, like my partner has always said, how is MJF going to be applied if he does come here? Is he really going to be the same? It's the cutting-edge character of MJF that makes MJF what he is. Now, can he take something off the fastball? 
Yeah, probably. It all really depends on how badly MJF wants to be a WWE superstar. If deep down he really does, and he, after he sees what Jade Cargill did, then he'll do it. Do I think he can do it? Yeah, I think he can do it. But I'll tell you what, it would be a real death blow for AEW because MJF is one of those, like Jade Cargill, truly homegrown stars. And quite honestly, he's been ripe for the picking for a while, and I do eventually see them picking him. And I got a really large car that pulled just next to me right now, so uh, I guess uh, we could dock this guy for points. But it would be real wise for Undertaker, uh, you know, advice to be followed by MJF. He would be main event heel big time, could be legendary proportions if he did it. All right, the clock is out. Next up. Phil DeCessere getting on the one, the one thirty. Whenever you're ready, I don't see it. There you are. You're on, Phil. All right. Well, I have to agree. You know, like MC Hammer, MJF is dope on the floor and magic on the mic. He really is a great talent. And part of that, I think, is the latitude. I think they extend him to to be the character that he is. And you know. We live in a day and an age where we um, we can't walk down the street without everybody knowing it, you know, and it must be just so challenging for people now to stay in character. I mean, it's so challenging that very few do, you know. I remember reading in DDP's book something to the effect when, uh, or Mick Foley's book, he said that Abdullah said that Dallas is going to make it, DDP, and Foley said, why? And he goes, Abby said, because he lives the gimmick. And uh, we see MJF at fan conventions living the gimmick. He's rude to kids. He's, you know, I mean, he really, you know, has been a heel through and through. And that's the kind of latitude I think that, that Khan and the rest of the team gives him. I wonder if that would be the case in WWE, whether he'd be micromanaged. I don't know. I remember Taz saying something about Paul Heyman years ago. He said, he said F. Paul E. But at least he lets me be me, and you know, and I think that's I think that's an important thing, and and I think that in AEW they have that latitude. They're they're not traded on Wall Street, and um, you know, I think they could benefit from being a little bit edgier, and and that's what I like about MJF. Now, as far as a rivalry with the Undertaker, MJF would have to wear those moon boots because the Undertaker's still about six seven or six eight. That's a clock, uh, Phil. Well done. All right. Well done. We got a tight race here. Benny Scala, the player. Going on a buck 30. Whenever he's up, you're right. on. So, uh, first of all, let's talk about the basic premise of, of AEW versus WWE. And and Undertaker is absolutely right. I mean, Tony Khan, he, he took daddy's money. He's the modern-day Richie Rich. He took daddy's money, and he started a fraternity, more or less. I mean, you, the whole premise of making a professional wrestler – an executive vice president. It's like going to GM and taking the, the guy on the, you know, who does rivets and saying, now you're the head of manufacturing. Well, I mean, the guy was good at, you know, riveting a rivet. Does he know how to do payroll? Does he know how to do budgeting? Does he know how to meet with executives, present, you know, present plans and budgets and things like that? Absolutely not. That's the first, the, the first premise. And, you know, as a wrestler, you're going to look out for your buddies. That the, the, you know the young bucks and and Omega they're going to look out for their friends they're not going to they're not going to make an objective assessment based on talent but um, yes do I think MGF should should come to WWE absolutely the guy is a once in a generation talent the guy's mic work is absolutely incredible um, he lives the gimmick twenty four seven and give the guy credit for that I mean he really he takes this seriously this is everything to him. And uh, now, would they use him properly, though? And I think his height, you know, in a land of big wrestlers might be a detriment. All right, Benny, well done. All right, guys, this is the final question, allowing oh, us to go to the final two. Are we ready? Ready. WWE stock share price job drops by over 10%. Stock in the WWE fell dramatically in value this week, with shares losing over 10% of their net worth in one day. 
PWI Insider reports on August 30th, WWE share price opened up and closed at an impressive 110.05 of August 31. The stock dropped dramatically at to, by $12.90 at one point, down to 97.50. Is the sale to Endeavor a mistake on both ends? Opening up on this round, Bruce. ESO, the 130 is on you, sir. So absolutely, it's not a mistake. This is a very, very common thing to happen. There could have been a big sell-off of shares by some stockholders. It could be some fear with all the layoffs. There's so many factors that go into these things, but absolutely not. WWE and 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 UFC combining into TK in the uh, the endeavor. It's going to be great for both companies. Um, not that I'm a not that I'm a fan of of it, but let's face it. This is going to allow wrestling to reach a broader audience than ever. Uh, WWE is going to be more international along with you along with UFC. We're going to see them doing some cross promotions. We'll also see an opportunity for some of these great UFC stars as they're retiring, maybe have an opportunity to come over into the WWE or we're going to see maybe some some crossover events or things like that. It's it's a win-win for both companies. You know, some of the unfortunate things I could see happening would be some branding on on tights or things like that, like they do in the UFC, or branding in the rings or the ropes. We've already started to see that with like the the Slim Jim Chap thing and the uh, oh the Mountain Dew uh, uh, thing earlier this year. So we're going to see more more stuff like that that I don't want to see. But at the same time, it's opening up the bigger and more markets. Um, don't see it as a, as a mistake. Uh, I, I don't see a, a 10% drop in, in stock as, as a big deal, especially in the long run. Um, I, I think long, long range. That's it's it, gonna, Bruce. Both well done, gonna... sir. Bruce is taking the lead, and if it ends right now, Bruce and Benny and Phil are tied. Right, it be a the, three-way battle. Up next, <laughs> Jimmy Farrow, WWE stock. The 130 is going to be on you, Jimmy. You're on. And he's frozen. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. You already being frozen in Florida. Wait, he's back. He's, he's Jimmy, back. you're back? All right. We're going to move to Phil DeCesarate. The 130 is going to go on Phil. Phil, you're on the 130. Yeah. Um, boy, that, it, this is an interesting situation. I think it can work as long as they keep um, some of the same people involved. I think uh, I think Vince McMahon still needs to be an important part of WWE for this thing to really be successful. And I think given his track record, stockholders are very aware of, of now of, of what's going on behind the scenes. So, you know, if they can keep Vince in place and uh, to stay out of trouble, if they can hire Jerry McDevitt, get him out of retirement, keep him on Vince's side. I think that uh, stockholders will be very happy. I think that the shares will increase in value. I think there's some crossover uh, here. I think you might interest uh, WWE fans more in the UFC product and, and, and I think vice versa. So I think the strength may lie in, in the cross promotion in, in terms of pooling the resources. And they talked about maybe running UFC and WWE in the same regions and somehow maybe just uh, coalescing with, with, with the budget and actually um, being able to do more with their advertising dollar too. Been a fan of UFC since the beginning, actually even more so back than when they had a variety of characters in martial arts and it was just uh, great, great viewing. Back in the old UFC days, uh, Bruce Botnick on... Uh, on the on the uh, microphone and just just so much great talent and uh, I think it's going to be a great merger. I also think that the feds are going to be trying to come down on on both organizations. I All remember right, the late Phil, Well done, well done. Yeah. Jimmy, right. are you back? Now, Jimmy might have to go to land in a minute. No, man, course. I can't hear. Everything's breaking up on me. Sorry, guys. All right. Okay, player. All you have to do is get four points to make it to the finals as Jimmy has dropped uh, out due to sound issues. Pressure. You're on, Benny. All right. First of all, I think this is a great move. It's a, it's a great merger. You know, stock prices go up and down. That, that's the nature of the stock market. If you're going to invest in the stock market, 
you're not doing it for a month or two. You're doing it for the long haul. You just got to you got to let it ride. I think in the long run, it's going to be a great thing. And a lot of people on social media were horrified about the, the layoffs. And one thing we have to remember, though, as even as fans, th- this is a business. And typically when two companies merge, like a lot of people got laid off. But when you have duplicate infrastructure, the first thing that's going to happen is people are going to get laid off. It's just a fact of life. It's not a pleasant fact of life, but it is. And, you know, as far as the wrestlers being released, I really didn't have much of a problem with any of them. I mean, Matt Riddle, I mean, good riddle, good riddle or good riddance, whatever, either way you want to cut it. Um, you know, some of them I, I might not have agreed with, like a Dolph Ziggler, Shelton Benjamin. But, you know, again, somebody sat in an office and they're, they're not, it's not sentiment. It's a business decision. In their minds, whatever they were paying Dolph or whatever they were paying Shelton Benjamin, they were not, they were not experiencing an increasing amount of revenue. Um, you know, Dolph was great, and, but Dolph's time maybe has come and gone. Maybe he'll resurface in AEW. Who knows? Um, I, think, I think it's a great move. I think you are going to see a lot of crossover. Uh, UFC fighters at the end of their careers maybe going over All to right, WWE. All right, Benny, well done. All right, hey, Mike. Jimmy, one more shot. Jimmy, are you there? Mike. Yeah. Have I missed? Have I missed any? Have I missed any questions? I can actually hear you guys right you, now. You have not. You're, this is the final All round. Right. You're the last guy. You literally need nine points to get into the final round. Are you ready? Nine points. Nine points. Oh God. <laughs> Whatever. Go ahead. This is You're mixed anyway. <laughs> hit me. Go. Hit me, player. Go. Well, what am I talking about? The WWE stock has dropped by over 20% since the merger with Endeavor, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Endeavor. Endeavor. Go ahead. Okay. Shares are – was it a mistake to make the sale to Endeavor by Vince McMahon? And did Endeavor make a mistake in purchasing the WWE? Nah, not at all. I think right now it's just like, you know, marketing uh, speculation – I don't take much stock in it right now. I don't think that that's a big deal at all. You still got Triple H with his fingers in the pie, don't you? And Vince McMahon is still there. He's just not uh, officially official as the big guy, but everybody knows he's still running it. There obviously was some agreements behind the scenes that none of us will ever be privy to. But the bottom line is is, is that, no, that doesn't hurt anybody. And it and won't hurt them either, you know. Uh Right now, isn't this a little bit of a down season? Uh, why don't you check back with me on the stock when we get towards Survivor Series and Royal Rumble and stuff like that? You know, I just love that every single day we have to like worry about the latest thing. Oh, did you hear? Vince McMahon stubbed his toe. Oh no! Now he's going to have to get corn fitting things for his feet. Stop! Who cares? Everything's fine. You know, and the people that they let go recently, boy, is Dolph Ziggler not just like an AW fucking dream? He's already been in WWE forever. Now we can use him like once every six months in AEW. Well done. Great comeback. Thank you. Lost a little sound. Almost there. But we have to, Abe, we have to send two people to the land of the Misfit Toys. And unfortunately (laughs) for the first episode of this week in pro wrestling, those two people are going to be ESO Creative. You're off to the land of Misfit Toys. And the Bye, great Bruce. Jimmy Farrell, also <laughs> off to the land of Misfit Toys. Farrell, we love you. Leaving the player and Phil to go to the final round. One minute and 30. The final question, guys. Alpha Jr. looking for $100,000. I'm writing to ask for help from my brother and hero, Alpha Annoy Jr. He is currently fighting for his life after Alpha oh, was God. rushed to the hospital with unexpected complex cardiac issues his heart injection fraction is only working at 35 percent and his heart is filling with fluid please reach out to our gofundme page and give Alpha junior your support you're on the 30 benny scala the player in the finals for the championship you're on oh man gofundme so (laughs) I have such mixed feelings about a GoFundMe account. Uh, here's my basic thing. I know, like, with Scott Hall and Jake Roberts, my first reaction was well, two things. Number one, you guys made ten times more money than I'll ever make in my lifetime, and nobody's going to give me a, a set up a GoFundMe for me. Uh, what, what happened to all that money? Um, what, what did you do with it? 
that you need you need help from the public. And the other side to that is, if I did need help, is it Jake Roberts? Is it Scott Hall? Are they going to contribute to my GoFundMe account? And the answer is, fuck no, they're not. They don't know who the hell I am. So um, now, in a case of the one GoFundMe that I did support was was Mike Halleck because number one, it was so sudden and so traumatic, and he left behind, I think, a 13- or a 14-year-old daughter. And thanks to you, Mike, I had the privilege of, my, of meeting Mike down here in Florida, and I consider the guy a friend. The guy was going to be on my podcast in a couple of weeks, and I was more than happy to, to help. I wish I could have actually helped more. So in that case, yes, I was, I was very – I felt honored, actually, to contribute to his GoFundMe. But for the most part, I'm not a fan. I mean – I've worked my whole life. I worked for 46 years to set it, to to get myself to the point where I'll never need a GoFundMe, and I'm very proud of that. And I I just in most cases I don't get it. That's it. Well done. Well, Phil, you got 10 points to catch up on the minute 30 for the this week in wrestling championship. Phil, you're on the clock. Well, I definitely understand the player's perspective, you know. And we don't really know. Some of these guys from the past, before these big money contracts were were a thing, I I think they really had to scrimp and save, and they they really had to fight for their money. And, you know, and nearly all of them don't have any type of health plan to begin with. You know, there's no union there. And uh, so they spent years breaking their bodies to entertain us, you know, and uh, in those hard rings back in the day. And, uh, you know, and, and they're asking for a little something in return. I mean, the wrestling audience is vast and huge. And, you know, if, you know, if a fan sends in a dollar and, and there are just so many fans, I think they can meet their goal. And, you know, this guy is suffering, and I'm sure they're not very proud of the fact that they have to reach out and, and ask for help, you know. But um, I'm hoping there's a community out there that can help and and will help. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's really just a, it, it's a shame. You know, these guys, and especially this family and the generations of entertainers and athletes they've produced and, uh, you know, brought us a lot of joy over the years. I mean, for decades and decades. And, again... He's probably not one of those big money players, and um, you know I don't think it would be so much to reach in and and uh, just give him a little something and uh, make quite a difference. You know, That's this it, is Phil. Uh, a well life. done. Well, our first champion has been announced: the player Benny Scala. <laughs> Unbelievable, tough competition. Well, guys, this has been our first Great, episode Benny. of this week in wrestling. I want to thank. Phil, I want to thank the player, I want to thank ESO, and I want to thank my partner, Mr. Jimmy Farrow, who did well under his phone conditions. We'll see you guys next week. Join us at 9 o'clock for the main show. Jamie Dundee on Monty and the Farrow. Congratulations, Benny.